From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, friends. Welcome. Welcome aboard. I, uh, I just want to give you a quick heads up what's coming up in the, uh, in the future on the program. Next week, Joseph Farrell. I'm really delighted to have Joseph back. He's, uh, he's a hard guy to pin down because he's always writing a book. He's one of my favorites. Uh, you may remember uh, him from uh, uh, the, uh, the Nazi Bell and the Giza Death Star uh, and uh, uh, Cosmic Wars. Anyway, he's just finished another book, and we'll, we're going to have him back on. That's next week, Joseph Farrell. Uh, he'll be on in the, uh, the first hour of the program. And, uh, of course, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, of course, our, uh, our paranormal investigator, our regular contributor, will be here with us. And an interesting fellow uh, from the U.K., Colin Hall, uh, has just finished a book about something called the M6 crashes, the, 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 a series of strange paranormal events that happened on the M6 in the United Kingdom. That's one of their major motor routes. And it also they also happened in Paris. He's got a new book out called Fact or Fiction, The M6 or Paris Crashes. And also coming up uh, later, Ron Patton from Paranoid Magazine. He'll be with us in a couple of weeks. He was uh, supposed to join us a couple of weeks ago, had a bit of a family emergency. We've rescheduled him. Ron Patton, Paranoid Magazine, a great magazine. I know uh, many of you probably uh, subscribe or, or read that. And Patty Greer will be along to talk about uh, crop circles. Uh, I met uh, Patty a couple of weeks ago. My gosh, it's longer than that now. Last month in in uh, Phoenix at the big UFO conference, and uh, she's made a number of uh, mind-blowing documentaries about crop circles. Uh, she'll be here to talk about that. And that will be uh, in, in two weeks. That'll be our our first show at our new facility when the Conspiracy Show moves down the road here in uh, Toronto, down Lakeshore, uh, west towards the CNE grounds. Just north of there is, a, is a, an area of uh, Toronto called Liberty Village. And uh, uh, Zoomer Media is uh, they're moving the radio division over there. I took a tour of the facility. It's wonderful, but I'm going to miss this place. Um, but anyway, in, in a couple of weeks, I'll be coming to you live for the very first time uh, from Zoomerplex. That's what they're calling it, right, Tim? Zoomerplex. All right. I was just reading. Dave Hodges has um, a blog, I guess. It's called Freeing America, One, en- One Enslaved Mind at a Time. He's talking about the three stages of a revolution. Hard to imagine, but you know, I mean, things are getting so dire. People are actually starting to talk about, you know, uh, revolution. Not to, uh, you know, not to promote violence of any sort. Although when you look at the situation in Europe, especially what happened in Cyprus a few weeks ago, when the banks essentially <laughs> stole depositors' money, and it makes you think, how much can people take before someone just, you know, how long can you, can you go before you, you can no longer blame people for taking this thing to the streets and fighting back? Hard to imagine. I mean, is that possible that that could come to America, that mindset, revolution, to North America? Well, you know, these are dark days. But here's the interesting thing that uh, Dave Hodges points out in his blog on the three stages of revolution. He talks about, he says, you may not realize this fact, but your government certainly does. When the Department of Homeland Security purchase, purchases 2.2 billion, that's with a, ra- a, a, a B, 2.2 billion rounds of ammunition and 2,700 armored vehicles. Why would the Department of Homeland Security 
be purchasing 2.2 billion rounds of ammunition, 27 armored vehicles, if they didn't intend on using those against U.S. citizens. Just, just throwing that out there. Dark days indeed. One individual who writes about these interesting times we live in, that's a, you know, a, a, a Chinese proverb, right? It's kind of a curse. They say, may you live in interesting times, which is kind of a, a backhanded way of saying, I wish you great trouble. Well, looks like the trouble is upon us. But um, Dina Ray is a new author. She's a former teacher, which is kind of interesting because uh, although she writes works of fiction, these works of fiction are really informed by the headlines and what's going on around us. And so she, as a former teacher, she brings kind of an academic element to uh, these works, and they're heavily researched. So while they're technically works of fiction, it's kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge type of thing. Anyway, she writes about Freemasonry and end times prophecy and mind control. To date, she's written three books, The Last Degree, Halo of the Damned, and Bad Juju, which uh, is about uh, you know voodoo in Haitian culture. Her fourth novel which will be published later this, uh, well, just later this spring, is entitled Halo of the Nephilim. Of course, we've talked a lot about the Nephilim on this program, and we're going to do the same thing tonight. Dina Ray, great pleasure to welcome you to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, gosh, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Great show. As a writer, I mean, obviously nobody wishes bad times on anybody, uh, but we're currently in the midst of them. I mean, this is great fodder, though, for a writer, isn't it? Oh, yes, you got that right. It's um, Truth is um, much more interesting than anybody's imagination could be. I know that you're a Christian. Um, yes. How much does that inform your writing? I know, I know that y- you're, um, you're you know, really into end times prophecy and so forth, but how much, how much of that comes out in your writing? Well, quite a bit. With the last degree... It is a uh, ode to conspiracy buffs. Make no mistake about it. But it also aligns up with um, the Revelation and Daniel in the Bible, uh, how the Antichrist will come about in the future and um, so forth. So, and then uh, my other uh, my angel books, uh, although those are horror books and they're you know they're rated R, they got plenty of violence and sex and all that, but there's still an underlying theme of scripture in it. So it does def- it definitely affects my writing. When you look at the headlines, and actually some of these things you don't find in the headlines because as I was discussing. Uh, uh, Recently, with Gerald Salenti, who was on the program, a lot of these things aren't being covered in the mainstream press. They, it's like they want to keep a lid on on what's really going on in terms of how dire the economy is and how the government is propping up this Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, do, when you look at the news, wherever you find it, do you see it lining up the events, whether it's oh. the problems in the Middle East or the the economy, uh, you know, rumors of war, North Korea saber rattling? Do you see this lining up with Revelation? Oh, my gosh, yes. I, I, well, um, just uh, two days ago, um, Joe Biden was giving a speech about New World Order to the Import-Export Bank. So these um, high-ups who are part of the elite, part of the, you know, um, the shadow government, 
they are getting more and more brazen about announcing this whole new world order thing. So, um, yeah, it's 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 easy to connect the dots uh, into end of times prophecy. There's uh, it's there's just too many coincidences that line up with the Bible, both Old and New Testaments. Testaments. So, um, are, you, are you frightened? Uh, are you frightened with what's going on? Uh, I am. I am to a degree. I'm not going to go buy an underground bunker and, you know, spend every last cent that I have on um, weapons and, you know, MRE food and that kind of thing. But uh, I am, I am, you know, that whole seed has been planted to, you know, it, at the very least get a survival kit and have a plan, that kind of thing. Which is prudent for anybody at any time. Just, you know, if there's a 72-hour, you know, power disruption, it's good to have, you know, uh, fresh water, a hand-cranked radio, uh, you know, some food stores and so forth. I mean, even in good times, that's a good idea to have. Right. So, you're, uh, I mean, what do you think about this whole prepper movement? I mean, a, a lot of that was highlighted uh, towards the tail end of 2012 because of the Mayan calendar thing. But, of course, these end-time scenarios never go away. Uh, and, and now we have, you know, good reason to be concerned. Uh, but what do you make of this, this, this movement, this prepper movement? I mean, there's a whole TV show now, a series on the National Geographic Channel dedicated to it. There's, there's two of them. There's Doomsday Preppers and Doomsday Bunkers. So you had twice the fun. Um, I think it's, um, a growing movement with, um, I mean, Everybody has their reasons. Some people think it's going to be a natural catastrophe. Some people, it's a religious thing. Uh, some people just want to live off the grid. They have had it with the government, and uh, they, you know, they want their privacy and so forth. It's, it's kind of um, an, a modern-day version of what was going on in the 70s with uh, survivalism. And uh, I, on Twitter... Because it's you know we're living in uh, modern day, the uh, proper preppers uh, have quite the movement going on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and um, shortwave radio, really, shortwave radio. Yeah, they they really uh, make the most of social media to their benefit. Listen, I, I mean, I, I think a healthy distrust of the of the government is is mandatory, and you certainly have that in the United States. And I, I sometimes um, I'm you know saddened to the extent that we we tend to trust authority uh, up here in Canada. I mean, we go overboard, we bend over backwards to to give them the benefit of the doubt. We think the government is here to help, and uh, but in the United States there is that healthy mistrust. But I'm wondering whether though it's getting to a point where um, you know that there's there's a genuine anger, mm-hmm. and it 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 it, it may be uh, sort of may have found a, a real home within this prepper movement. Some call them the patriots and so forth. Do you fear that these preppers may get sort of tarred with the same brush and considered almost like domestic terrorists? Oh, absolutely. They're already portrayed as crazies on these TV shows. I mean, they take the most extreme um, cases that there are. And, uh, you know, if, if you go on Twitter during the show, there's plenty of people watching the show laughing at these at these people, which, um, you know, I, I'm not condoning some of these, so, you know, 
selling your house and you know taking out um, a loan and all of this other stuff to to go buy your you know acreage in the Smoky Mountains or whatever. But um, there is something to be said about it, and it, there's just a growing distrust about the government. I, I know on your show you've mentioned already uh, this whole Cypress banking thing. I, I mean, preppers are so distrustful of the government, so distrustful of banks. I think banks and the government are pretty much the same thing these days, that uh, gold and silver are just, you know, that's part of a prepping staple. That's what you use for money. And uh, Well, I know Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security, their definition of a domestic terrorist is so vague that, I mean, you could read into that, that, that anyone who decides to get off the grid, anyone who, de- who has substantial holdings in precious metals, they could be mm-hmm. considered... A domestic terrorist. We'll uh, we'll come back and discuss more with Dina Ray, author, educator, here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Humans, for the most part, don't have a clue. They don't want one or need one either. They're happy. They think they have a good bead on things. Well, why why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Shaking the world. And seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Delighted to have Dina Ray with us, a new author. Uh, She's written, well, hardly new. She's written three books, The Last Degree, Halo of the Damned, Bad Juju, and her fourth uh, to be released, I believe, in May of this year is Halo of the Nephilim. Uh, Dina, the the Department of Homeland Security. Now, it's rumored that they have, uh, are amassing this huge arsenal Something like 2.2 billion uh, bullets right. they've purchased. I mean, people are going to uh, to you know to gun stores and, and places and finding it hard to find bullets, and it turns out it's because Homeland Security is buying them all. What's behind that? Well, uh, it's it's not just um, Homeland Security. Uh, Department um, of Social Security Administration has bought uh, 174,000 rounds, and um, NOAA, which is in charge of the, the fisheries, have bought about 50,000 rounds. And both those agencies aren't really known for artillery. Now, everyone's got their theories. Um, my theory, it, which, of course, goes along with the conspiracy theory. I mean, some people believe that um, some politicians owe the... Um, the bullet factories, um, some business, and other people think, oh, well, they're they're um, just doing that. They're buying all of these rounds so that the average American can't, um, there won't be any left for the average gunman to buy. Right. Yeah, that's a good way of getting around. I mean, if you can't push through the kind of strict gun control legislation you want, then just take the bullets away from people. Right. I, but now I I think it, it's much more nefarious than that. I think that they're doing this because they know that pretty soon our country is going to be like a Cyprus, and they're gearing up for it. And I mean, uh, Social Security. I mean, when the old retiree goes to cash his check from Social Security and there's no money in there. There's a lot of old people in this country who have tons of guns. I mean, they're with no paperwork because back in the 50s or whatever at the gun shows, they didn't have to fill out um, one single form. You could just buy a gun cash and 
they don't know how many people ha- who have guns, especially people over 60 years old in this country. So That may be the only thing that prevented uh, the United States from pulling a Cypress, giving their depositors a haircut, as they like to call it, in the first place. Maybe they wanted to do it already, but they couldn't because, again, they know that the you know there's a, a hundred there's an, a standing army of a hundred million armed civilians right and I read that outside of Homeland Security and then the police forces that the third highest concentration of guns and ammo is in the state of Wisconsin with the civilians you mean yes yeah yeah I mean you think of all the deer hunters out there Every state, they've got, you know, millions of of people that just go out and and hunt and and think of... I read once, and and I don't know if you've heard this, and I don't know if it's true, it could be apocryphal, but I've heard that they uncovered documents after the Second World War. They discovered that Japan was actually thinking about a land invasion in the United States. I mean, of course, we know that they attacked Pearl Harbor in 1941, but they were thinking about a land invasion, and they decided against it because they suddenly became aware that the civilians are armed to the teeth and they would be facing this huge standing army. That's the only thing that prevented a land invasion. I haven't heard that, but that makes a lot of sense. I want to bring this around to the current economic situation, the deteriorating state of even just civility around the world. I mean, I agree, Dina. I think we're going to see great social unrest in the United States when all of these unfunded liabilities when the government basically says we can't pay out pensions, we can't pay Social Security, we are broke. You know, we've already got, I don't know how many uh, millions of Americans, 50 million on food stamps, it's something like yeah. or one in, one in seven now on food stamps. Eventually, you know, people are going to take to the streets. But how does this play into the new world order? Do you believe that who's ever sort of running the show, the shadow government, this is deliberate, the end game here is to wreck the economy, destroy the nation state? Absolutely. Absolutely. Europe now, United States and, you know, the third world countries never really got off their feet. I don't know how things are in Canada. They must be pretty good. You guys aren't on the news all the time. Um, But what better way to give to wipe out all of the economies and then say, you know what, we're going to just put a current um use one currency because we're globalized now and um, the United States and Europe and Russia and you know the Middle East will all just trade on the same currency and that'll balance everything out I mean that would be like step one and um, how easy would that be because we are more globalized and there is all of this you know um, everybody is right now buying in US dollars but then you know I've read that there's um, under under the covered kind of operations with the Middle East and Russia, and they're kind of doing their own thing. And so the currency is going to get to be too much of a headache for everyone to have separate currency. So why don't we just why don't we just wipe it out? And I, you were talking about the food stamps. I, I just wanted to throw in there real quick. I know this is um, getting off topic, but they're advertising on radio shows are are on music radio shows for people to come in and get food stamps. So here we are, a country that's completely broke, and the government is um, paying advertising money to various uh, music radio stations, imploring and um, enticing people 
to go get on food stamps. And it's not that hard, and you don't have to be broke. And, and uh, it, I don't know what's going on, but that it just seems like they're encouraging all of this. And, and I know I'm, I'm on a soapbox right now, but another thing they're encouraging was just on the news today. Uh, they, I mean, one of the biggest problems we had in this country was this whole mortgage debacle. Well, guess what? They're back to their old tricks, and they're giving people who don't qualify for loans mortgages again. Right. I mean, they're doubling down on those old policies they created, supposedly, you know, the panic of, of 08, uh, and they're just creating that same bubble all over again, except now it's to the tune of $85, trillion, or $85 billion a month, this quantitative easing uh, nonsense, where they're essentially buying bad mortgages. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I, I don't know how much longer they can keep this Ponzi scheme uh, afloat. I just my, my I dread you know that this is not going to end well, uh, Adina. Let's talk a moment about the, your 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 upcoming book, Halo of the Nephilim. We talk a lot about uh, fallen angels on this program. You know, going back to the Book of Enoch and even in the account in Genesis where these fallen uh, angels, um, you, you know, uh, basically had uh, relations with the daughters of men and created these race of giants and so forth. But uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how you come, how you approach this subject of these, uh, of the Nephilim in your, in your upcoming book. Well, um, Halo of the Nephilim is a sequel to Halo of the Damned. And it starts with a modern day angel who walks the earth. And um, even though this is fantasy, even though this is fiction, this is all pulled from the Genesis, like you mentioned, Enoch, Jubilees, Jasher. Um, the, the, um, there's other books about Adam and Eve. They're um, mixed in there, too. And um, like you mentioned, the, um, these fallen angels, the, the, the ones that fell voluntarily, they met up on Mount Hermon in Israel, and they made a pact to wed and bed human women. And Supposedly, they just couldn't resist them. Um, you know, there's other theories that they wanted they they were wanted really um, to mess up God's plan and God's line to Jesus. Yeah, contaminate the gene pool and forestall the the, the coming of the the Messiah. Right, but um, well, there's two different stories to that, and um, these offspring, these Nephilim. Um, had kids of their own and so forth and so forth. And um, you've got the Anunnaki who are linked with aliens. They're, they're derived from these Nephilim. And you've got the Emanine and the Rephaim. And, um, you know, a lot of these groups were, were not just giant. They were born with six fingers and six toes. And um, I think Marvel Comics calls them the Gibberim. Um, and I just, I, I didn't know any of this until, oh, maybe a couple of years ago, I caught something, um, on the radio about it. And it just, you know, I got fascinated by it. I never heard this story before. I was, this isn't the kind of thing the minister talks about on Sunday. And, um, I kept digging and digging and digging and it got more and more fascinating it sounds like you know quite a bit about them and um like uh adam and eve supposedly cain was the first nephilim because satan raped eve and um she had 
as a result, had Cain. So Cain was t- um, technically the first Nephilim, and um, the word cannibalism comes from Cain, which I found real interesting. That is interesting, that. yes, yes. And of course, well, in the, in the Bible uh, accounts, uh, uh, when... Um, when uh, Joshua, who was sort of Moses' appointed guy yeah. to take the people into the Promised Land because he wasn't allowed to cross the Jordan River, uh, you know, Joshua and others, they sent spies into to Canaan and they discovered races of giants. I mean, whole cities mm-hmm. populated by giants. And it was interesting, I, I was um, in the New York Times uh, archives going through some old stories from the, from the, uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s uh, about these... Um, Huge burial mounds that were discovered in places like Wisconsin and Ohio. And in these burial mounds, they found what can only be described as giants. I mean, uh, dozens and dozens of intact skeletal remains of people that were seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, nine feet tall. I mean, that's in the New York Times, folks. I mean, I don't know what else to make of that. But were these the descendants of the Nephilim? Uh, Well, that's what most people seem to... The, um, these experts in the field seem to think, and it's not just Wisconsin. It, it's all over the world. They've they've been finding more and more of these skeletons, and I don't know why, but the church doesn't want to talk about it, and then science doesn't want to talk about it either. So, because um, I guess it, on one hand it proves that the Bible it wasn't lying, and then on the other hand, it's a subject that religious figures don't feel comfortable talking about. So there was obviously proof that we had giants back thousands of years ago. And, um, you know, my my contention is, were they, did you have to be a giant to be a Nephilim? Or could you, could um, a different kind of angel who didn't carry that giant gene pass on a different gene to their offspring? Like maybe just the six fingers or... Uh, maybe some kind of superpowers, or um, and the the book goes goes from there. And um, I, it was a fascinating um, study to read about um, all all of this angel lore. There's um, so much. There's there's um, my character's name is Armoros, and he was one of the fallen. Um, his 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 um, thing was. He was called Armoros the Cursed, and then there was um, another angel, Azazel, and um, he got tied up on a, a rock for eternity for showing man how to make weapons. And then there was another fallen angel called Semijaza, and he's the one who kind of organized this whole let's get all the women pregnant thing. And um, it just it makes it ties in really well as, with. Um, your ancient alien believers too, because how do we know so many things? It's it's almost like some kind of higher intelligence being would have had to come down thousands of years ago and shown man how to, um, you know, how to heat up iron and how to plant seeds. And how would you just kind of guess at that that stuff? It. Um, yeah, it's I, it's um, like uh, you know uh, gets back into sort of the Zechariah Sitchin um, thing with the Anunnaki and and the, the, this this Sumerian culture 
5,000 years ago where, where everyone else in the world was, you know, just climbing out of the trees and living in mud huts. And then you had this incredibly sophisticated, uh, civilization where they had uh, libraries and, and, uh, uh, you know, they domesticated animals and, 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 and uh, crops, you know, uh, hundreds of years or thousands of years before anywhere else. And then they have their creation story, which involves these shiny, how do they describe them? The shiny feathered serpents, which sounds a lot like that cat in the, uh, the garden back in the Genesis account. Anyway, we'll come back. Dina Ray is with us here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Dina Ray is with us, author, former teacher, who brings an academic element to her heavily researched novels. I say novels in quotes, although they are works of fiction. They are, uh, well, they're fictionalized versions of, of really what she believes is going on in the world today. Uh, end times uh, prophecy, uh, Freemasonry, the New World Order, the Nephilim, um, even mind control. And we'll get into mind control in a minute, but back to uh, the Nephilim. And uh, do you believe then that um, uh, these fallen angels are still exerting? I mean, I, I, as a Christian, I, I mean, I know the answer. Uh, you know, we believe that earth, the earth, you know the world is basically being run. We know who's running the show here. It's Satan, right? But uh, to what extent uh, do you believe these fallen angels are in control? Are they the ones ultimately at the the top of the pyramid when we're talking about the new world order? Well. I've, uh, I do believe that maybe not like Nephilim or fallen angels, but the descendants of this Nephilim are running things. And, um, some, some might call them descendants of Nephilim. Others might call them Illuminati. They, but, um, they're all from Cain's bloodlines and, um, they all, even though they have free will and they they don't have to go that route, it's it's in their nature to um, do the devil's work. And um, yes, I do believe that they are running the show. So does that mean that some of the people in power today, uh, and I don't want to name any names, but uh, some of the world leaders, whether we're talking about the heads of royal families, whether we're talking about presidents, prime ministers are in a sec in, in a sense um, descendants or have have nephilim blood coursing through their veins as I, I guess is what I'm asking uh, oh definitely now your presidents and your prime ministers um, are too easy of a, a call out I think that the the real power is much more hidden uh, like your um, like your George Soros or your your William Buffett or um, your Bill Gates or um, uh, Eric Schmidt of uh, Google, uh, these are uh, more threatening than, um, or uh, like your your former guest was talking about Monsanto. Um, these, um, your Geithner, your behind-the-scenes um, people, I think, are the the puppet masters and your presidents and your prime ministers are the puppets. Is it possible they don't even know 
that who they are? I mean, their the real identity is are they just they they believe that they're acting in their own self interest or they're being a good business people? Is it possible they don't understand that you know yeah. their role in this? I mean, we're all I, fallen, right? I mean, according to the Bible, we're all fallen. I mean, so don't we all have that yeah. element in us? I agree with you. They, you're right. They might not know, but they keep. So I think at some point you 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 got to question. You know, well, I I didn't campaign for this, and I didn't campaign for this, and I didn't campaign for this, and I'm I'm just selling my soul to um, you know keep my power. You kind of got to question yourself, like, what am I doing? And when you got to be responsible for your actions at some point. And uh, I'm not seeing that uh, these days. Let's go to the phones, and we're going to say hello to Dallas, not Dallas, Texas, but Dallas in Kamloops, British Columbia, who wants to talk about Agenda 21. Hey, Dallas, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Having a little trouble hearing you, Dallas. Just wondering. There you are. You, know, you said that um, the government was exposing NWO more, so that people are finally realizing about it. So I was just wondering what you thought about Agenda 21, because basically it's the same thing, and I've they've been running ads about Agenda 21. So what are your thoughts on that? United Nations Agenda 21, where the, the for yeah. those not in the know, the United Nations has uh, laid out their their blueprint for the 21st century. It's supposed to be voluntary, but uh, I don't know, 136 countries have signed on to this, and it's they just it seems like they want to uh, control in uh, control everything, every aspect of of, of human endeavor, uh, uh, inventory everything, herd everybody into large cities. They call it smart growth and sustainable development. But a lot of people think there's something more sinister going on here. What do you think, Dina? Well, I'm, I'm not that familiar with it. So from what you're telling me, it it sounds like perfect blueprint for New World Order. It's, you know, the political side of things. Like, you know, you, you take the political side, you got that. You've got um, the food side with, with Monsanto. In Europe, they call it Codex Alimentarius. You've um, got the social side where, you know, you're just wrecking families and you're wrecking economy. It's all... It's all the same road going to the same same uh, place, New World Order. I see where the uh, the state of Oklahoma recently passed a bill banning Agenda 21. I don't know exactly uh, how that will work out. But, Dallas, are you seeing any – I mean, the interesting thing about Agenda 21, it's like a chameleon because it goes by many different names. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily going by Agenda 21. Your local city council, for example, might have an Agenda 21 initiative, but they may call it – I don't know, B.C. 21st century or something like that. Have you seen any evidence that Agenda 21 is is at work in British Columbia? In B.C.? Um, I think I have because I've seen, I know in the 50s and stuff, they had propaganda ads against Russia and such. Right. And I've seen ads like, oh, B.C. is doing so great. It's the leader in financial resources. And it's like none of it seems very real because I know how bad B.C. is doing like compared to other provinces and even to other countries. And so I think they are kind of starting not to tell people about Agenda 21, but I think they're starting to kind of warm people to the idea, if you know what I mean. Right. It's the it's the frog in the pot of boiling water. You put a frog in a nice, mm-hmm. cool bath, uh, and then you put it on the stove, and then you gradually turn up the heat, and uh, we're the frogs, of course, in this scenario. And before you know it, we're in boiling water. We boil to death, but we don't even we're not even able to to perceive that the temperature is rising because mm. it's gradual. 
the forces of gradualism. That's their their biggest uh, tool. Uh, it's because it's imperceptible, bit by bit, slowly, baby steps. And before <laughs> you know it, you know. Right, like Hitler. There you go, exactly. Dallas and Kamloops. How are you listening to the show, Dallas? Um, I was listening to it through a radio program on just on my computer. Excellent. Okay, good yeah. to have you aboard. Hope you'll join us again. Dina, hold on. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Author Dina Ray is here, and we're talking about the New World Order, the Nephilim, the end of days, just kicking the can around and talking about what we talk about here on The Conspiracy Show. And, of course, you're welcome to join the conversation. And the phone lines are available uh, to you. Now, Dina, we've been talking about your upcoming book, Halo of the Nephilim, uh, and as you say, that's a, a sequel to... Halo of the Damned. Now, in Halo of the Damned, you're actually, I think, talking about there is a, I don't know, a sect or a cult that actually worships these fallen angels. Isn't that the sort of the subject of that book? That's a real religion. It's called the Yazidi religion, and they're one of the most ancient religions in the world. They still are organized in northern Iraq, and they believe in all angels, both fallen and non-fallen, and they they worship angels with birds, and they don't have a holy book, but they pray directly to angels, and their favorite angel is represented as a peacock, and his name is Malak Tawas, which is what us Westerners call Satan. So they're so, primarily worshiping the fallen angels. They acknowledge, obviously, the existence of the good angels and the fallen angels, but they are basically throwing their lot in with the fallen angels, is what you're saying. Right. If I'm not mistaken, doesn't the Yazidi religion, isn't that a branch of the Zoroastrians? Which was, uh, the, I remember the late Shah of Iran was probably one of the most high-profile followers of Zoroastrianism. Is it a branch of that religion? Well, when I researched it, they never came up, but oh. I'm not... Per my research, I, I never saw that, but it could be. I mean, there's some similarities. The Yazidi religion, I don't know how old you are, but um, back in the 90s, I was in college, and they had the golf war, the showdown in the golf, and it was on 24-hour news. And there was this news blurb where Saddam Hussein, when he was killing all the Kurds, he um, said, well, what difference does it make? They're all a bunch of devil worshippers anyway. And that kind of stuck in my head, and it just kind of fascinated me how that, even though, I mean, don't get me wrong, genocide is genocide, and what he was doing was terrible, but nonetheless, they shut him up right away. They got rid of that whole story, and I just found that fascinating. Because some Kurds are followers of this Yazidi religion, you're saying. Right, and supposedly it has spread across the Mediterranean, and some elite Europeans practice it too. And so are they obviously then awaiting the rise of the Antichrist and the coming of the Tribulation and so forth? Well, that, of course, they don't have a book, and my research was basically 
interviews and newscasters and um, servicemen who um, have have met them in uh, Iraq. So I can't say that with assurity, but I can say that's what it seems like. I mean, if you're worshiping Satan and you're praying to Satan and his fallen angels, I don't know what else that could mean. How far do you think we are from, you know, uh, Jacob's troubles, as they call it in the Bible, or, or, or the tribulation? In other words, uh, where the Antichrist will make his, his presence known on this earth and uh, then begins, uh, you know, the, the, the false peace, uh, followed by all hell breaking loose, basically. A couple weeks ago, we've got the 112th Pope, who, according to Malachi, who has a thousand percent betting average right now, he's never been wrong. According to Malachi, this 112th Pope is going to be the sidekick to the beast or Satan incarnate, uh, otherwise known as the false prophet. So, you know, we've got that going on. We've got things in the Middle East, I guess, have been a disaster years, but that's heating up. Um, now everyone's getting their own nuclear missiles. Wars and rumors of war. Right. So I just feel like we're on the, the cusp of the end. Another interesting theme that sort of weaves its way in, into your work is this whole idea of, of mind control. I've talked to a lot of people who claim that they are victims of, of some sort of mind control, whether they are being electronically harassed, or whether they are being chipped, these sorts of things. But th- there's another form of mind control that's far more subtle, and I know that you write about this, and that's the mind control that comes through the television set. How does that figure into your work, mind control? Well, I concentrate in both of my books on the kind of mind control that the advertising world uses. And like you said, it is more subtle. It's not like an Agent Orange type of thing. One of the things I I came across was this device called the tachistoscope that was invented in the 50s, and it flashes images or words that your subconscious doesn't even see. So let's, for example, say you were watching um, I Love Lucy. Well, you might have seen about 20 flashes of, you know, buy this laundry detergent or buy this... Um, yeah, subliminal, subliminal advertising. Yeah. Right, and you don't even know it. And this was what they were using in the 1950s, so I can only imagine what they have now. And um, I know... Um, just magazine ads are, are famous for this. Um, like the the absolute vodka was um, next to a tall glass of ice, and the ice spelled out sex. Um, that was a famous ad a few years back. And um, another uh, a new kind of advertising that they're using more and more and more is this scent branding, or ambient scenting is another term. They've um, discovered that the olfactory bulb is um, more powerful than our vision, and um, certain businesses like uh, Abercrombie and Fitch use it in their stores, um, and 
you smell the smell and you you immediately recognize the store and sure um, sure I mean I I can understand why why advertisers would want to do that why you know uh, uh, retailers and so forth would want to employ these methods to make you buy their products. You go back to the 50s and every third frame of a movie might contain, you know, up in the right-hand corner of the screen, a, a popped kernel of corn so that during the uh, the intermission, they used to have intermissions. People may not, may not remember that at the theater, but you'd go out and buy your, your popcorn. I can understand that. But So what is, is there something more nefarious afoot here? What's the end game? I mean, take it away from the advertisers and into, I mean, I, I look at, I look at CNN, for example, as a form of mind control. You've got hell breaking loose all over the world, and yet all we see on CNN, uh, they're, they're talking about these high-profile murder cases and giving them like 24-hour coverage and talking about every juror and who is what juror was dismissed today and you know, hook an entire show on that. Who cares? The world is unraveling at an alarming rate. Talk to me about the more sort of nefarious forms of, of, of mind control and brainwashing we're seeing. Well, the media is famous for this whole mind control. I know every time we get um, a little bit of what's really going on, you know, there's there's three subjects that they seem to um, bring up, and it's, you know, um, abortion, gay marriage, and racism. And it seems whenever we've got a real story about to unfold, bring up any of those three things, and then everyone forgets about, you know, the real story, the Cypress story, or, you know, the sequester, or the, um, the um, you know, the uh, arms race, or, you know, anything real is completely wiped away if you just talk about one of those three things. And I just get, you know, I get frustrated. Um yeah, it's like they're administering anesthesia through the TV set. I mean, I, 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 abortion and those other things are very important issues, but it's sometimes I find it even more sort of uh, the topics innocuous than that. It's 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 yeah. things like you know who's Katy Perry dating or uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Kim Kardashian, and uh, I mean that's an advertisement. I mean, talk about an advertisement. That whole woman's an advertisement. What well, who's Shoes are is she wearing? What whose uh, dress is she wearing? You know whose jewelry is she wearing? She was um, just speaking of her. She was just wearing one of those Baphomet braces that it's, it's all over the internet. That um, you know that goat that um, is connected with the devil. I, I wasn't uh, familiar with that. Yeah, she's she's um, wearing it. Um, I think yesterday, and uh, I kind of an odd jewelry. Jewelry choice. Well, maybe she's uh, a devotee of uh, Yezidism. Anyway, listen, a great pleasure uh, meeting you, Dina, and speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dina Ray. All right, my thanks to Tim Spreen. Back next week with Joseph Farrell, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our regular contributor, and much more. Hope you'll be aboard. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm a coming home. Good night.